Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, a prayer is not always easy for Christians. In fact, at times, it can be a real struggle. Not only does praying to God take energy, but it also takes faith. And as we pray to God in heaven, sometimes, believers, as God's children, we might go through doubts. Maybe it's just a feeling that we have, or we say, oh, I feel like I'm praying up against a, a brick wall, or something like that. Or at other times, it might just be a nagging question, how do I know that God is, is really listening to my prayers? Well, these sorts of struggles are not uncommon for believers, but the question is, how can they be overcome? Now, the answer is, in the end, that they can be overcome by faith. Now, I know that sounds very simplistic, and it would be if I just left it there at that answer. But this is what we're going to study this afternoon. Faith always has an object. And here we are referring to the promises of God in Jesus Christ. It's God's own promises uh, in His Word, also about prayer, that will give us confidence as we pray to our Father in heaven. After all, you can never go wrong when you act uh, upon God's own promises. You can never go wrong when you act upon God's own promises in the Bible. And it's by studying these things in depth from Scripture that we can overcome the struggles we might go through when it comes to prayer. One such area to study is the very beginning of the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Christ taught us. Christ, te Christ teaches us to address God in a certain way. He teaches us to call upon God as our Father in heaven. As we hope to see this afternoon, understanding this will help us to pray in confidence. And so, this afternoon, I preach you God's Word under the following theme, find confidence in prayer through God's own promises. And we're going to see God's promises assure us, first of all, we have access to our Heavenly Father's throne, and second of all, that our Heavenly Father answers our prayers for the sake of Christ. So, first of all, that we have access to our Heavenly Father's throne. Now, when we pray, we are coming before the Almighty God of the universe. He is infinite, He is majestic, He is all-powerful. And we also come before a God who is holy, 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 who cannot look upon sin, and sinners cannot stand in His presence. Now, this contrast between God and us immediately raises a question, well, what business do we have coming before this God? And how is prayer even possible between us and Him? And how could we ever pray confidently, expecting this Almighty and Holy God to hear us? Well, the truth is that we can only come before this God if He Himself allows us to come before Him and invites us to come before Him. We only have access to His heavenly throne if He gives us access. Otherwise, we would be banned and barred from His presence forever. 
Now, this is also why the beginning of the Lord's Prayer is such good news. Here we see that God Himself, through Christ, gives us access to Himself. With these words here, God invites us and He calls us before His very throne and welcomes us there. We get to address the Almighty God as our Father in heaven. In congregation, there is nothing better than that to call upon God as your own Father. This is the best news possible, that this Almighty and Holy God is our Father and we are His children. The Catechism describes it like this. Why has Christ commanded us to address God as our Father? To awaken, us, awaken in us at the very beginning of our prayer, that childlike reverence and trust toward God, which should be basic to our prayer, God has become our Father through Christ and will much less deny us what we ask of Him in faith than our fathers would refuse us earthly things. You see, when it comes to prayer, we are not trying to force our way into the throne room of an unloving, immovable deity. No, God calls us His children. He calls us as His children to come before Him, to seek His blessing. That's His call. And that's why our Lord Jesus teaches us what He does in this prayer. And the Lord Jesus came to teach us the very will of His Heavenly Father and our Heavenly Father. And so this is the will of God. And we would call upon God as our Father in heaven. A marvelous privilege. And we're going to expand on this wonderful truth through our two readings as well. From John chapter 14 and Revelation chapter 8. Now look at the different ways John 14 assures us that we have access to God. We see something of this right at the very beginning of this chapter. The Lord Jesus assures His disciples, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in Me. That is, you trust in Me, trust also in God. In My Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? See, Christ has gone into heaven into his Father's house, and he is preparing a place for believers in that house. And he's doing that because we have a permanent spot in that house as God's children. And when we come before God in prayer, it's like we're coming into that house of our Father in which Christ is preparing that place for us. Prayer is like visiting our future home in our Father's house where we can talk to our Father in heaven. It's wonderful. We have this access to God's house in and through Jesus Christ. As Christ says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, we've been adopted only in Christ and through Jesus Christ. 
If we're going to have confidence in prayer, we must seek it through Jesus Christ and Him alone. Coming before God in and through anyone else, including ourselves, is not going to work. No one comes to the Father except through me, says the Lord Jesus. And so that's how we must approach God's throne, in and through God's beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Now, we know that what the Lord Jesus says is echoed perfectly by the Father. That's one of the central themes of the book of John, that Jesus Christ and the Father, the Son and the Father, are one. In John 14, Philip asked Jesus to show them the Father. In response, Christ says, "'Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father.'" Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? Right? The Father and the Son are one. And Christ speaks exactly what the Father tells him to speak. As he says here, the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. So there's absolutely no tension or division between the words of God the Son, our Lord Jesus, and the will and the words of God the Father. So there's perfect alignment between what Christ says about prayer and what God the Father will say about prayer. And Christ assures us in the Bible that we have access to the Father through Him. And so we are assured that we are welcomed into the Father's throne room through Christ. The Father and the Son are one. Their will is one. And so we must come to God through Christ. It's in Him that we have free and confidence access to the Father. This is confirmed in passages like Ephesians 3 verse 12, where it says we have confident access through our faith in Christ. Or Hebrews 10, verse 19, we have confidence to enter into the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Amazing words. We have confidence to come into God's heavenly throne room by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, these truths are then brought home to us in another way in Revelation 8. Now, in this chapter, the Apostle John continues his, his vision. Part of that includes a visions of, of heaven, what goes on in heaven. And in this chapter, the Apostle John saw an angel. This angel came and stood at the altar that was in heaven, and he stood there with a golden censer. And it says he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And then it says, the smoke of the incense with, with the prayers of the saints arose before God from the hand of the angel. Now, the picture here in Revelation 8, it reflects what went on in the earthly tabernacle and temple in Old Testament Israel, in the Old Covenant. In the earthly tabernacle and temple, the altar of incense was placed right in front of the Holy of Holies, sometimes called the Most Holy Place. It was in the Most Holy Place where the, the Ark of the Covenant was, 
that God lived among his people. That was God's throne room on the earth. And every day the priest burned incense on this altar, and it gave off a strong, a pleasant aroma, which filled the temple and also made its way into the Holy of Holies. And also when the high priest entered into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement once per year, he also uh, did so carrying a censer with uh, this uh, perfume coming from the altar of incense. And the offering of the incense on this altar coincided with the time of prayer for the Israelites, which took place in the tabernacle and temple courts. We see this very thing described in Luke chapter 1, where Zechariah the priest, he served in the temple. He was chosen by lot to burn incense on the altar, and he, prescribed, or he offered incense at the prescribed time. And verse 10 then adds, while he was doing this, the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Well, this event occurred regularly in Israel. And offering the incense coincided with the time of prayer. This is so much the case that Psalm 141, which we hope to sing later on, makes the following connection. There the psalmist writes, let my prayer be counted as incense before you, and the lifting of my hands like the evening sacrifice. The psalmist in Psalm 141 wants his prayers to be counted as incense because he knows they will then be accepted by God in heaven. When he says, let, may they be like incense, may my prayers be like a pleasing aroma before you. Now, adding further significance to this, Moses, when the tabernacle was being made, was directed by God to make sure that the earthly tabernacle furnishings were made exactly like the pattern shown him on Mount Sinai by the Lord. And the book of Hebrews tells us why God was so strict about this. That's because the earthly tabernacle and temples were a copy of the heavenly throne room of God. And so what was happening on earth in the tabernacle worshipped matched what went on in heaven. It was a reflection of what went on in heaven. And as a priest offered up incense and as a people offered up their prayers, we see an, a, a match of what goes on in heaven. That's how it's described in Revelation 8. The angel stood at the altar with the golden censer. The censer was a small container filled with hot coals on which the incense was sprinkled and would give off a pleasing aroma. This angel was given, it says, much incense to offer together with the prayers of all the saints. With all, together with the prayers of all the saints. And the smoke of the incense together with the prayers of all the saints that came before God. Now, why are we given this picture throughout the Old Testament and then in Revelation 8? Well, it's meant to give us confidence in prayer in numerous ways. And the first thing we must see is that God Himself instituted these very things. They were His idea. 
Moses had to make the tabernacle and its furnishings exactly like the pattern shown him by God on the mountain. God wanted it this way. And by this, he's showing that prayer and its acceptance are his idea. Following these directions for prayer allows us to pray in faith because it's God's own direction. And so when we pray in line with God's word here, we know that our prayers will please the Lord. We're following God's own ideas. Notice how it says here too in Revelation 8, the angel is given much incense to offer up together with the prayers of all the saints. So first of all, the incense is given to this angel by God himself. So God is showing us that he wants us to And the fact that this incense is being offered together with the prayers of the saints shows that our prayers are accepted by God and more than that, are pleasing to Him. The incense offered up was a pleasing aroma, a pleasant and welcome smell that that comes right into God's very presence. The angel was given much incense. It's, It's as if God is saying by this text, my people... I really delight in your prayers. They come right before me as a sweet-smelling aroma. It pleases me to hear my children pray to me. They are accepted by me as I sit on my throne in heaven. So, beloved, seeing God's Word here, let's respond to God's Word in faith God is showing us that our prayers are accepted. He's the God who hears prayers and delights in them. He shows that He welcomes our prayers. And so let that encourage you to pray in faith, pray in confidence based on what God shows us in His Word. Our prayers come up to God as something He delights in and welcomes into His very presence. That brings us to our last point. Now, Revelation 8 gives us confidence that our prayers not only come up to God and are accepted by Him, but this chapter also assures us that God answers our prayers. And He answers them in ways that just might surprise us. Look at the response to our prayers coming up before God in in Revelation 8. Verse 5 describes it like this. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were, there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Now, why are we given this picture right after uh, the, the incense is offered up to God and, and the prayers arise with it? Well, it's because the prayers of God's people have a profound impact a profound effect on events here on earth. I want you to see from this that your prayers can have a huge impact on the world. Make no mistake, your prayers can change the course of history. And that's not an overstatement at all. Never doubt that for a moment. And our prayers can change the course of history. 
not because our prayers are powerful in themselves. It's because God responds powerfully to our prayers. Now, the picture of the angel hurling down fire upon the earth may very well be a symbol of judgment. Indeed, God often delivers His people through acts of judgment on those who oppress them. That's one of the themes of the book of Revelation. It's also His way of bringing down the city of man that is in rebellion against God, so that God can build His own city, the new Jerusalem. But in any case, what's perfectly clear here is that when God moves to act in response to your prayers, a deep impact is felt here on earth. Just look at the last details of this text here in Revelation 8. They remind us of Israel at Mount Sinai when God came down upon the mountain. At that event, there was a trumpet blast, an earthquake, large amounts of thunder and lightning as God's presence descended on Mount Sinai. And we see and hear the same things going on in Revelation 8. Huge quantities of energy are released in response to our prayers. You know, what would we conclude if, at the end of this chapter, then we heard a whimper? Or there was some quiet humming, a soft breeze, and some chickadees chirping? Well, we get the idea that our prayers make barely impact, any impact at all. Here we have an earthquake and thunder and lightning. We get a completely different picture. God responds to the prayers of His people with great force. So let me assure you again, your prayers have a deep impact on world events. Your prayers can change world history. It's all because we offer our prayers to our Father in heaven. As a majestic king, he's powerful to do far more than all that we ask or even imagine. So let that spur you on to pray with confidence and with boldness. And we get further assurance of the same thing from John chapter 14. Christ says at the end of our reading there, Whatever you ask of my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, these words here, they might raise some questions in our minds. What does he mean that if we ask anything in his name, he will do it? Does that mean if I ask God to give me a billion dollars in Jesus' name, I will get it? It sounds like there are no qualifications in what the Lord says. So what do we make of this? Well, the reality is, though, that there are qualifications in what Christ says here. First of all, we are to ask for things in Jesus' name. And we cannot truly ask in faith in Jesus' name for things that are sinful or outside of God's promises. That just doesn't work. We cannot ask for things in Jesus' name that are shaped by all kinds of selfish desires. As one commentator put it, a prayer in Christ's name is a prayer in harmony with whatever Christ has revealed concerning himself. And so, a prayer in Christ's name will correspond to what Christ himself wants. 
This means such prayers will indeed be answered, for they are in line with God's own will. Furthermore, we receive things we ask for so that the Father will be glorified in the Son, says Christ here. And God is glorified not by giving us all kinds of fanciful gifts, whatever we want. He is glorified, however, by giving things in line with His own will. When we ask in Jesus' name, according to God's will, God answers us so that the Father will be glorified in the Son. As it says in 1 John 5, verse 14, if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. This is the wonder, however, of praying to God as our Father. The almighty, majestic, infinite, holy creator of the entire universe does listen to His children and answers them. The awesome God is moved to action in response to our prayers. This gives us confidence, beloved. God is our Father in Jesus Christ. He will much less deny us what we ask of Him in faith than our earthly fathers will refuse us earthly things. He is also, remember, our Father in heaven. These words teach us to expect from His almighty power all things we need for body and soul, for He is able to give it. And so, beloved, see what God has promised you in Christ. Look at what He's promised you from His own word. Listen to how He teaches us here to pray in faith. Pray with confidence. So come before God based on His very word. Pray expectantly. You will not go wrong by taking action on God's word. God delights to hear His children pray. He uses our prayers in the unfolding of His plan. And He responds in powerful ways for the building up of His kingdom, for the glory of His name, and for the good of all His people. Amen. Let's now respond to God's Word by singing together uh, hymn 63, a hymn based on the Lord's Prayer. We will sing stanzas 1, 2, and 8.